There is no other business that's so full of unscrupulous con men. There's just so many unserious people and untrustworthy people and just plain psychopaths. So just be very careful and protect yourself. Hi, I'm Laurent, and you're listening to Billion Dollar Algorithms Podcast, a podcast where I document the process of starting a quantitative hedge fund from scratch. If you want to hear all the episodes, you can follow us on Spotify or head over to BillionDollarAlgorithms.com. Now let's get into today's episode. I started this podcast to document the journey of starting a quantitative hedge fund from scratch with no connections, network or anything. I want to be as transparent as possible so we can learn together and potentially grow together. Anything I say in this podcast should not be taken as financial advice. This is just some guy's story on a pursuit of happiness or something like that. But thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's podcast. So now that I've developed the algorithms, which may have been the hardest part, how hard could it be to start a quant hedge fund? I spent a few weeks researching how to start a quantitative hedge fund, and according to just about everyone on the internet, starting it is as hard as ever. It's as hard as anything you could do, apparently. Well. Uh, it's actually easy to start a hedge fund. It's easy to start a quantitative hedge fund. Um, you just need the money and the paperwork. So uh, if you had the money and the paperwork, you could theoretically just legally start a fund, right? But getting funding will definitely be the next hard part. Um, but to get funding, you're, you're going to have a great track record. Um, a lot of uh, investors say that you need 10 years managing a minimum of $10 million, the correct licenses, the correct legal structure and tax structures for your investors. Also, you need to have a great network and some sorry behind your investing strategy. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, that's a bit of a steep ax for me and almost anyone starting out. Uh, the, the requirements are pretty stringent, but, you know, it's necessary to keep out the scammers and the fraudsters. So I get it. But for an honest person like myself, uh, starting from zero, it's pretty pretty impossible. Uh, but let's break down my actual objectives uh, because I don't need to start a hedge fund per se. I just wanna get capital to trade my algorithms. And as it turns out, there's many ways to accomplish this. You could start what is called a, a managed account. Uh, you could do a CTA. You could trade for a prop firm or start your own prop firm. Um, you could also start a family office. Or you could, you know, uh, play the lottery, get lucky, and use that money to trade with. You know, I'm I'm thinking outside the box here. But let's go through these options a little bit more. A managed account is essentially where someone with an account, with money, gives you access to their account, and you can trade on their behalf. The benefit of this is it is a quick, low-cost setup if you use the right brokers. And your clients will have control of everything. Uh, But the only drawback is in many places you need to be certified to manage accounts and there are some exceptions i believe for family and friends and account sizes but you know i'm not an expert on that um so i'm reading this directly off google so as i said you know i'm not an expert on this um another option is apparently a cta which is a commodity trading advisor uh, this is basically a certification by a governing body that allows you to trade assets for uh, people the benefit is again you know low cost um quick and easy to get the certification so long as you pass some exams uh, but in many cases, I believe you need a sponsor to sponsor you for the exam or something like that, I think. So without a network, uh, this might not be the best route for me. I mean, unless you are a sponsor yourself and you're listening to this podcast. Hello. Hi. And you'd like to sponsor me. Um, the next option is setting up a prop firm. Um, this requires you to have capital already. 
You could start it as almost equal partners with a rich friend, and you could trade your money internally, which is much easier, so you don't have to be regulated to trade other people's money. But hey, if you don't have the money or the connections already, right, maybe this isn't the best route for you. Um, another option is a family office, which is typically just another way of, a, of, of executing a hedge fund without the regulatory requirement. Typically, managers with capital and no desire to be scrutinized like a hedge fund would go to a family office type style. But again, if you don't have the money and you don't have uh, the ability to start your own family office, that's not the best route for, for you and it's not the best route for me. Um, so great. There's a lot of options, but which one do I choose? Which one's right for me? And well, immediately, I don't think the headphone route is where I would start, but I would like to hear what an expert has to say about this. So great, there's a lot of options, but which one do I choose? So the answer to this question, um, I, I gotta go above Google. I believe I need to get an expert on the phone. Okay, so when you're just starting out in a industry and you don't know anything or anybody, you could spend years trying to figure things out. Um, you could read some books like I've had, like I've done. Uh, you could read some articles, you could read some forums. But eventually, you're going to need someone who is an expert. You're going to need a mentor. You're going to need some type of consultant uh, to get you into the door and show you the ropes so you don't waste years and years of your time. So that's the approach I took. I took essentially my entire tax refund track and I hired a few consultants because they are very expensive. Um, so I took money and I hired three consultants. One is essentially a lawyer who sets up hedge funds. The other is a former hedge fund manager and employee or executive. Uh, the other is a hedge fund consultant and former hedge fund uh, employee as well. So the lawyer is was the most expensive, $600 an hour. Um, I only booked an hour of his time and I, <laughs> I prepared my questions and did not want to waste a second with that person. Uh, the hedge fund manager, former manager, came in at around $400 an hour, and the hedge fund consultant came in around uh, $300 an hour. So I booked an hour of each one's time, and I basically asked them the same questions. Well, a little bit different for the lawyer. So I asked the lawyer um, the questions of which structure would be best for me. I also asked the lawyer, Could I, what are the um, implications around doing a managed account. I'm currently in the U.S. in Connecticut, and so I want to be as I want to be as to the books as possible. So I wanted to know what were some options for me doing managed accounts. And the next thing I asked the lawyer was what a, what were the opportunities with starting a hedge fund in a place like the Bahamas? Because I am from the Bahamas, and I do intend to do some exciting things back home. Also, because most of these hedge funds are offshore anyway, I thought that maybe because I'm from the Bahamas and I could go to the Bahamas and start the hedge fund, I would have some um, competitive advantage with doing this because most hedge funds are offshore, either in the Bahamas or the Cayman Islands. So maybe that's a, a good route for me, um, given the fact that I am a, you know, I would be a local there and probably have better tax advantages than uh, foreigners doing it. So I asked the lawyer a few of those uh, questions. The hedge fund managers or hedge fund ex-employees are asked the same questions around um, how do you get funding, where do you find funding, uh, what are some op opportunities for new um, managers today or new hedge fund managers today. And um, I wanted to get the logistics of the hedge fund um, route from the from the actual employees, right, from the actual uh, former managers and understand what was the op options there. The hedge fund lawyer was very succinct, 
very to the point, very concise. And I was also very concise, obviously, because I was an expensive person. Um, but they told me, or he told me that, of course, it's possible. Of course, it's, um, it's, it's all feasible, all possible, uh, the things I want to do. Um, but he also gave me some clear insight on cost. So the administration cost for him would be around fifty dollars to $60,000 to set up the fund. Um, apparently, what would happen is you would set up a, a company in the Bahamas, and then you'd set up a managing company in the U.S., maybe. And then you'll appoint directors to the managing company in the U.S., who would essentially control uh, the offshore fund uh, for, through the managing company. Um, and that's pretty standard, and the fees associated to that is pretty standard as well. However, there's you know ongoing costs with administration, um, legal and regulatory requirements. Now you know you see where the cost comes from with the regulatory requirements. You know the lawyer also gave me some a little bit more advice, um, saying that in his experience he works with people who already have you know five to ten million dollars to begin with, and that's a better um, position to be in. However, because you, you know even that is a small amount in the hedge fund world, and because it's such a small amount, it, the fees and administrative costs really do eat into the profits of the hedge fund. And so it's really um, a costly endeavor. So the lawyer also told me that he has some friends or some connections with people who have, I believe, what's called a hedge fund hotel. <laughs> it's pretty, it's a pretty funny term. Um, <laughs> I just imagine a bunch of hedge fund managers in a hotel lobby. I don't know. But apparently it's a hedge fund hotel where it's almost like you could... Um, it's like a we like a we work situation where you share office spaces with hedge funds of, uh, and you share administrative costs essentially, and they have this in places like the Cayman Islands and the Bahamas where you could uh, join a hedge fund hotel. You in some cases even you could share some funding, but most of the times you're just sharing office space and administrative costs. And so one lawyer would have you know uh, all you guys as clients, one accountant would have all you guys as clients, and because you scale. Um, you could actually save costs on that. And so that's one, another uh, option that came out of the conversation with the lawyer. Another uh, option was the idea of hedge fund incubators. So if you're familiar with business, or I guess startup, startup culture, I guess, an incubator is, a business incubator or accelerator is essentially a organization that is responsible for, um, you know, providing you with networks, providing you with the incubation period for your business and so this may last two uh two to three years in the hedge fund world where a new manager is essentially incubated by this uh bigger organization to essentially say okay well i'm gonna take responsibility for growing you and, and providing you with the right uh, connections and providing you with the uh, right conferences the right people to talk to the right lawyers etc etc and so that's the next uh, advice that came from the lawyer that i didn't know about obviously and so I wanted to share with you guys and girls. The hedge fund uh, manager, ex-hedge fund manager or employee executive person um, essentially told me that, you know, good luck. Um, they told me good luck. They told me it's very infeasible what I'm trying to do because you're going to be uh, scrutinized very highly uh, from people in this industry. And most people are going to say you're just some quack online and 
you know, what do you know that we don't know already? And so the industry from their perspective will, is not receptive of people, you know, just coming off the street and getting funding from um, one, institutional investors, and then two, from respectable people in the industry. And so it's very difficult for you to go from zero to hero um, in this industry. And their advice to me was get a job. <laughs> I, I told him, um, he just told me, yeah, um, if you're so, you know, if you already know a lot of these things, um, you'd be way more qualified than a, a entry-level quant. You might as well just go get a job, right? Entry-level quants even get paid six figures to do essentially what I've been doing for myself and learning myself and, and teaching myself. So entry-level quants get paid six figures. You could take that money and use it to trade and eventually build yourself up, you know, through some years with promotions, essentially you could become a multimillionaire very quickly and then you just go off on your own, uh, right off into the sunset, right? Um, and that's that's all well and good and it's probably a good path for somebody else. However, um, as I said in the beginning of this podcast, well, the beginning of the last episode, I'm an engineer focused on trying to do other things with engineering and I'm not really interested in devoting my time to a job. I started <laughs> I started quantitative trading because I wanted to break away from that time money equation and by doing that my algorithms could trade for me and my algorithms could, you know, simultaneously make me money whilst I am exploring other new technologies and science and engineering. And so you know that's not a good option for me or at least not the option i'm looking for um maybe i am asking too much right maybe I'm, i have too many constraints but for me and maybe for some other people as well they're not really interested in getting a job in the quantitative space that's not a good option for me but basically they told me uh go apply for a job and they re referred me to some people who would be hiring quants so <laughs> that's what i got from him yeah, so that's that's basically what three hundred dollars and one hour with a hedge fund manager would get you. But the last hedge fund manager or executive employee, whatever, he was very interesting, very interesting person, and I think we're gonna hear some more from him in the future. I asked him again the same questions about the logistics of being of starting a hedge fund, uh, a few routes. Um, I asked him about the manager count. I asked them about the CTA routes and, and how do I get funding and getting started and maybe some other ways of getting started as well. Um, he took a real interest in what I was doing um, and he took a real interest in my perceived success in algorithmic trading and he had a few words for me. I have one uh, word of warning though is, and that's uh, in, in the investment business there is no other business that's so full of um, unscrupulous uh, con men uh, you know there's just so many unserious people and untrustworthy people and just plain psychopaths and um, since the investment business you know you can make so much money uh, it really attracts the most um, you know the most highly functioning psychopaths if I put it that way uh, criminals etc so and they're obviously always in wolves in cheap's clothing you know so uh, just be very careful with who you um, uh, who you partner up with um, and protect yourself. So then I asked him, uh, what do you think about starting a managed account business where I essentially partner with people who are already licensed 
to trade uh, accounts and I just give them my algorithms so that they could trade for their clients and essentially I get a profit or a piece of the profit that they would generate from my algorithms. And here is his response. My first re re um, reaction is that uh, that is a good idea, particularly since you're you're not really interested in the commercial side and dealing with clients and setting up a fund and this kind of stuff. So um, I think it, uh, partnering with someone that's already established and has a license, I think that's a great idea. So all in all, he gave me some good advice and I thought it was a good talk. But then I woke up to a message from him. I woke up to a voicemail. And in the voicemail, he essentially is laying out a plan for him to have me uh, trade for him. And he said, if I could make him 10% within a month, then he would introduce me to somebody who could um, give me a six-figure portfolio, I think he said $300,000, and he would allow me to trade that um, portfolio for him. And to me, I said, what do I have to lose? Right? <laughs> what do I have to lose? Um, essentially, essentially, I could set up a system where I'm copying trades over to his account, and I make him 10% that month, and then I am awarded a six-figure portfolio. That was, sounds very great to me. And so I said, why not? What do I have to lose? And this is you know, potentially the beginning of my career. Well, if you have already uh, one account that's connected to FX Blue, even if you've traded multiple strategies on it, um, you know, obviously, if it looks good, uh, it's a testament to your ability, right? doesn't matter if it's uh, several strategies to uh, a sort of unsophisticated investor. So we can still use that. Um, however, when it comes to the guy I was speaking about, he would be more, you know, more um, specifically wanting to see just uh, an account traded by one single strategy. But if you have an FX Blue that's, uh, you know, over time you, you change strategies in and out, but the performance is good, we can still use that for other uh, other potential investors. So an interesting thing about algorithmic trading is, in many cases, a algorithmic trader or quant trader would look at a strategy's success over a year, right? And so uh, you may look at a year's performance and say, okay, well, this strategy performed well this year. It's very seldom or rare that you would look at a month performance and say, okay, well, I've made my algorithm to make money this month. Um, and that's really, really seldom that people do that. And so for me, I wasn't really confident that the algorithms would be able to make 10% a month because it's such an arbitrary number and you don't really control for these things. If it happens, it happens, um, at least from my perspective and my approach. So I was a little bit taken aback from the 10% acts, right? It was, it's just so very arbitrary, very weird. And, um, but uh, at the time, uh, I had a lot of data on my algorithms, and I saw that some months it didn't make 10%. Some, some months it actually made 20%. And again, I'm not controlling for um, how much it's going to make. I'm not vol targeting. I'm not doing all these fancy things. And so how much it makes is how much it makes. And, um, but I have no control over that. But again, I said, what do I have to lose, right? If it makes 10%, then we're, we're lucky and we got a, a good opportunity. But I'm not promising 10% every month. So anyway, um, he wanted to send me, I believe, $50,000 to start the account. And I told him, you don't need to do that. You could just set up a demo account with the same amount of money in it 
and then if I do make the 10% on the demo, we're all good. If we don't make the 10%, then who cares? It's just a demo, right? But the, the thing here is you're not going to lose any money. And I'm not going to uh, be held accountable to any money you lose or gain. So he agreed with that. And he said, yeah, that's a bad idea just to test you out. And so what we did was we set up an account where he had access. Um, I had No, he had control. I had access to trade it. Uh, using the MetaTrader 4 platform, and then he gave me a month to trade it. So how did it do? Um, at the end of the month, the algorithm was up 8%. So so I did not make the, the 10%, I made the 8%. And I made 8%. And um, he did also ensure that he didn't have some drawdown limits. Um, so he wanted like not not to pass 5% drawdown in a, in a day and not to pass 10% uh, drawdown overall. And so, again, these were very arbitrary to me. I don't know why he was so specific and arbitrary, but maybe that was just how the industry is, and I just don't know. However, we did not, you know, we didn't uh, blow any drawdown requirements. We just didn't make 10%. We made 8% in a month. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I didn't know what to expect from this, but I did make eight percent so i call him at the end of the month to tell him this and this is where it gets really bizarre i call him and tell him i'm sorry i didn't make the ten percent um in a month i made the eight percent and i didn't reach any of your drawdown requirements so it you know all in all no harm no foul um would you like to do this again or would you still feel like this is enough to uh, introduce me to the person who could uh, provide the funding and he told me, you didn't make 8%, you actually lost me money. He said, you actually lost me money because you were down 15%. And I said, what are you talking about? I wasn't down 15%. And then he said, yes, you were. And if you were paying attention, you would have seen that. And so he lost money and he began to get irate with me for losing him money. And I told him, this is a demo account, sir. How did you lose money? Secondly, I was never down 15%. I was never even down 5% through this entire time. So I am very bewildered. I don't know what you're talking about. And he uh, gets louder with me and says, you lost me money. You lost me money. I'm not going to introduce you to anybody. And then hangs up. And so then I messaged the person and I asked him, so does this mean you are not interested in, <laughs> does this mean you're not interested in continuing on? And then he says, no. So then a few hours go by and he calls me back and he says, I'm so sorry, Laurent. I was looking at the wrong account and you are right. You didn't lose money. You are up 8% and I'm so sorry for the misunderstanding. I was looking at different clients' accounts, and I mistakenly looked at the wrong account. And he says, if you would still like my help in the future, please reach out to me. Thank you. So it turns out I was right, which, I mean, I knew because I was, <laughs> I mean, I don't pay attention to the algorithms that much, but gosh, I'm not going to mistakenly say, you know, we made 8% when you say that we lost 15. I don't, I don't get it. Anyway. Um, so I looked into this a little bit more, this person actually, and I found out that 
this person is running a scam. Now, this person is the voice you heard in the beginning of this podcast. And um, since the investment business, attra- you know, you can make so much money, uh, it really attracts the most, um, you know, the most highly functioning psychopaths, if I put it that way, uh, criminals, etc. And turns out he's one of them. Turns out he's one of them. So here's the breakdown on what I found out from researching this person even more. So the constraints that I thought were very arbitrary, they weren't. Okay, they were constraints of a prop firm and constraints of an online prop firm that he was going to sign me up for. Secondly, he was never going to introduce me to anybody with a six-figure portfolio. He was just going to (laughs) sign me up for a prop firm account and then use my trading on their prop firm account and then give me a cut of the profits. And so there, there was never a person on the other end of this opportunity and um, you know that really it really deflated me because being naive and I'm, I'm being new to the industry you know you're saying what do I have to lose I don't have the capital I need the connections I don't know who to trust and you ask experts right you you reach out you reach out to experts and you pay them right worst of all you pay them to give you good advice or advice nonetheless and in, in part, one of them tried to rip you off. And so, to summarize, this person was never going to in, uh, introduce me to somebody with a six-figure uh, portfolio. And even worse is he is scamming people, probably right now, uh, telling them the same thing. And it turns out that he had multiple people uh, trying to do these challenges for him. And one of the people uh, lost him 15%. Not me, but one of them lost him 15%. And he messed up our accounts and then blamed me for the person who lost him 15%. So this is a, you know, very, very muddy, sketchy, dirty uh, industry. And it's part of the reason I started this podcast because it's very, people are not gonna be transparent with you. People are always going to find a way to um, win one over on you. And it's, to me, it's just such a low level thing to do. Like I'm not even, I have nothing right now. And you're trying to, to take the nothing I have. And uh, apparently he has nothing either because he's trying to scam low-level people trying to get into the industry. So take this as a word of warning for people who um, are getting into this industry. There are, there are a lot of unscrupulous people in this industry. And this is just one example of many that I have, unfortunately. However, the show must go on. I do intend on starting a hedge fund or a quantitative hedge fund or funding my algorithms in some way. And so, although I had that terrible experience with that individual, he made me think about something. There are prop firms out there that would fund people. And if I just go and do what he was going to do, but with my algorithms, I could fund my algorithms. And maybe I could get a a six-figure portfolio, fund my algorithms, and then I uh, use the profits from the algorithms from the prop firm and build up and build my own quant firm. So maybe there's an opportunity there, and I think that's the silver lining from this experience. That individual showed me that there are prop firms willing to give you money if you could pass a few challenges. And so the question becomes, can you pass a few challenges? Thank you for listening to Billion Dollar Algorithms. 
Again, as a reminder, if you would like to hear the episodes of this podcast, it will be on Spotify and you can follow the podcast there or you can head over to BillionDollarAlgorithms.com. Additionally, I started a Reddit channel um, in response to some feedback on a forum. And so you could find us over at BillionDollarAlgos on Reddit. Thank you.